Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Chromosomes are the bundles of DNA that play a leading role in complex life. The question of how chromosomes came to exist and evolve has long been discouragingly hard to answer. But now, there's a new clue. That's next. Imagine you're in a lab where you've synthesized ancient DNA sequences and spliced them into modern bacteria just to see how they'd react. They needed each other, but they didn't want each other. (laughs) So, you know, it was like a very complicated relationship unfolding in front of me. This isn't Jurassic Park or some sci-fi movie. I'm Steve Strogatz, and this is The Joy of Why. A new podcast from Quantum Magazine that takes you into some of the biggest unanswered mysteries in science and math today. You don't have to be a scientist or a mathematician to wonder why. That's the point. The joy is in asking and trying to understand. I'm a mathematician, and I would love to get closer to answering the big questions, not only in math, but in all of science. How did life begin on Earth? Why do we have to sleep? Why are mathematical knots so hard to untangle? And what can the most powerful telescope ever built tell us about deep space? Join me on The Joy of Why as we explore these questions. We may not have all the answers yet, but I'm pretty sure the curiosity to figure them out is in our DNA. Subscribe to The Joy of Why wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every other Thursday. to DNA, there's a lack of chromosome-level genomic information, and there's a suspicion that eons of evolutionary change have washed away any clues about that ancient history. Now, in a paper in February of this year in Science Advances, an international team of researchers has tracked changes in chromosomes that happened as much as 800 million years ago. The researchers were led by Daniel Roxar, a professor of biological sciences at the University of California, Berkeley. They identified 29 big blocks of genes that remained recognizable as they passed into three of the earliest subdivisions of multicellular animal life. Using those blocks as markers, the scientists deduced how the chromosomes fused and recombined as those early groups of animals became distinct. The researchers call this approach genome tectonics. It's similar to the way that geologists use their understanding of plate tectonics to make sense of the appearance and movement of continents. In this case, biologists are reconstructing how various genomic duplications, fusions, and translocations created the chromosomes we see today. The work heralds a new era in comparative genomics, Previously, researchers studied collections of genes from different lineages and described the changes one base pair at a time. Now, more chromosome-level assemblies have become available, so researchers can trace the evolution of entire chromosomes back to their origin. They can then use that information to make statistical predictions and rigorously test hypotheses about how groups of organisms are related. Harris Lewin is a professor of evolution and ecology at the University of California, Davis. The 
big story is that because the new technologies that we have for creating chromosome scale assemblies Mm -hmm. of whole genomes, it's now actually possible to really look at conservation of whole chromosomes, if you will, over long evolutionary time periods, because the assemblies that we're able to generate now are not just generated from the shorter fragments, but are generated from long-range interactions. Roxar and his colleagues used similar innovative methods two years ago. They were able to resolve a long-standing mystery about the timing of genome duplications that accompanied the emergence of jawed vertebrates. But the importance of the approach isn't purely retrospective. In the process of making these discoveries, the researchers are learning about the algebraically simple rules that govern what happens when chromosomes swap chunks of themselves. That information can guide future genomic studies and help biologists predict what they'll find in the genomes of species that haven't yet been sequenced. Pauline Cartwright, an ecology and evolutionary biology professor at the University of Kansas, says we're starting to be able to get a broader picture of chromosome evolution across the tree of life. Cartwright says scientists now can draw conclusions about what was in the chromosomes in the very first animals. They can also examine how the various contents of the chromosomes changed or stayed the same, and why, as animals diversified. For a recent study, Roxar and a large international team of collaborators produced the first high-quality chromosome-level assembly of the genome of the hydra. By comparing it to other available animal genomes, they discovered highly conserved groups of linked genes. The order of the genes within a block was often shuffled, but the blocks themselves were stable over long stretches of evolutionary time. When scientists started sequencing animal genomes about 20 years ago, it wasn't a given for many of them that linked groups of genes on chromosomes could stay stable and recognizable over eons. And it wasn't a foregone conclusion that it might be possible to track the passage of those blocks of genes through essentially all animal lineages. Animals diverged from their unicellular relatives 600 million or 700 million years ago. Cartwright says before they had whole chromosome data, they were looking at small snippets of the chromosomes and seeing lots of arrangements. So they assumed there wasn't conservation because the genes within a region of the chromosome were changing positions quite often. The order of genes was frequently reshuffled among chromosomes, but Roxar had a hunch from his earlier studies of animal genomes that there was relative stability in which genes appeared together. Roxar says if you compared a sea anemone to a human, their genes seemed to be on the same corresponding pieces of DNA. He says the pattern suggested that whole chromosomes were conserved. But that idea couldn't be tested until recently, when enough chromosome-scale genomic information about diverse animal groups became available. But what would cause blocks of genes to stay linked together? This phenomenon is called centony. Harris Lewin studies the evolution of mammalian genomes. Lewin says one explanation for this phenomenon relates to gene function. So now you have a framework but trying to understand how the regulation 
of these genes has changed as a result of rearrangements or the incorporation of new regulatory elements. Basically, it may be more efficient for genes that work together to also be physically located together. That way, when a cell needs to transcribe genes, it doesn't have to coordinate transcription from multiple locations on different chromosomes. This probably explains the conservation of some sets of genes whose arrangement is critical. For example, the Hox genes that establish animals' body plans must be in a specific order to set up body patterning correctly. But those tightly linked genes fall within a relatively short bit of DNA. Roxar says he doesn't know of any functional correlation that extends over a whole chromosome that could account for their findings. That's why Roxar is skeptical of the functional explanation. He says it's attractive, but may be unnecessary. Unless a chromosome rearrangement conveys a big functional advantage, it's inherently hard for the rearrangement to spread. And rearrangements are typically not an advantage. During meiosis and the formation of gametes, all chromosomes need to pair up with a matching partner. Without a partner, an odd-sized chromosome won't become part of a viable gamete, so it's unlikely to make it into the next generation. Small mutations that reshuffle the gene order within chromosomes can still occur, but broken or fused chromosomes tend to be dead ends. Perhaps in small groups of mammals, a rearrangement could randomly spread through what's known as genetic drift. But in big, freely mixing populations, like those of the marine invertebrates that spawn hundreds or thousands of eggs, Roxar says it's really hard for one of the new rearrangements to take hold. He says it's not that they're not being tried, they just can't get a toehold in evolution. Consequently, genes tend to stay stuck on one chromosome. Roxar says the processes by which they move are just slow on a scale of 500 million years. But Roxar's team found that when those rare chromosome fusions did occur, they left a clear signature. After a fusion, the genes from the two blocks intermingled and were reordered because inversion mutations accumulated in them over time. As a result, genes from the two blocks blended like milk poured into a cup of tea, never to be separated out again. And because the processes of gene block fusion, mixture, and duplication are so rare, irreversible and specific, they're traceable. It's highly unlikely for a chromosome to break at the same place twice and then fuse and mix with another gene block in the same way. So the signature of these events in chromosomes represent a novel set of derived characteristics that biologists can use to test hypotheses about how species are related. If two lineages share a mixture of two gene blocks, then the mixing most likely happened in their common ancestor. If lineages have two sets of the same gene blocks, a genome duplication probably occurred in their common ancestor. Oleg Simakov is a genomicist at the University of Vienna and first author of the papers. And so we were able to find that, for example, there were specific chromosomal fusions that are only present in the second round of all gene duplications in vertebrates. And those fusions were absent in jawless vertebrates such as hagfish and lamprey. And so we inferred that 
to this comparison that lamprey hackfish must diverge before, otherwise they would also have this fusion with mixing or mixed chromosomes. This is a very, very powerful tool. Rockstar says one of his favorite aspects of their study is that they make predictions about what to expect in genomes that haven't yet been sequenced. For example, his team discovered that diverse invertebrates, classified as spiralians, all share four specific fusion-with-mixing patterns. This implies that the fusion events happened in their common ancestor. Rockstar says it follows that all spiralians should show these fusion-with-mixing patterns. That means if scientists find even one spiralian without these patterns, then the hypothesis is wrong. In their new Science Advances paper, Simakov, Roxar, and their colleagues used the tectonic approach to learn more about the emergence of some of the earliest animal groups about 800 million years ago. They looked at a wide swath of animal life represented by sponges, cnidarians like hydras, jellyfish, and corals, and bilaterians, which are animals with bilateral symmetry. The researchers found 29 blocks of genes that were highly conserved among their chromosomes. Then they used the rules of chromosome fusing and gene mixing that they'd identified. The researchers next reconstructed the chromosome-level events that accompanied the evolution of these three lineages from a common ancestor. They showed that the chromosomes of sponges, cnidarians, and bilaterians all represent distinctive ways of combining elements from the ancestral genome. Here's one provocative discovery. Some of the linked blocks of genes also seem to be present in the genomes of certain unicellular creatures, like coanoflagellates. Those are the closest relatives of multicellular animals. In multicellular animals, one of these blocks holds a diverse set of the homeobox genes that guide the development of their general body structure. This suggests that one of the very earliest events in the emergence of multicellular animals was the expansion and diversification of these important genes. The scientists said in the paper that these ancient linkage units provide a framework for understanding gene and genome evolution in animals. Their approach can distinguish between subtle but important differences in chromosomal events. For example, in their 2020 paper, the researchers deduced that the genome of vertebrates underwent a duplication sometime in the Cambrian period before evolution split the jawless and jawed fishes. They then found evidence that two jawed fishes hybridized later and underwent a second duplication of their genomes. This hybrid went on to become the ancestor of all bony fish. John Postlewaite is a genomicist at the University of Oregon. They took a statistical approach and that they didn't just say, well, it looks to me like such and such happened. They took the approach of Things could have happened this way or that way, and if they happen this way, then it makes a certain statistical prediction. And if it happened that way, then the statistics would come out some other way. And so I think that this is a really important part of their methodology. Not just they had access to higher quality genomes, but also that they took this quantitative approach and a statistical approach. They actually tested these hypotheses. They had enough 
genes involved that they could do a rigorous test. These studies mark only the beginning of what genome tectonics and genetic centenies can teach us. In recent preprints shared on bioarchive.org, Rockstar's team reconstructed the evolution of frog chromosomes, and a European team looked at the chromosome evolution of certain fish. A study in current biology found a massive genome inversion that drives the coexistence of divergent forms in common quails, hinting at some of the functional consequences of rearranging chromosomes. It's tantalizing to hypothesize that the mixing of these gene linkage groups could be related to lineage diversification and evolutionary innovation during the last 500 million years. Chromosomal rearrangements may lead to mating incompatibilities that could cause a lineage to split in two. It's also possible that a gene landing in a new neighborhood could have led to innovations in gene regulation. Here's Oleg Simakov again. If you look at one worm and another worm, they have very different fusion signatures. And so maybe this was one of the driving forces in the diversification of animals, invertebrate animals. Harris Lewin says that's the big question. These are truly tectonic shifts in the genome, and they're not without consequence. Cannot be without consequence. So them being neutral is going to be an interesting question. And Lewin predicts this will be a very hot area of study for at least the next 10 to 15 years. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Viviane Collier's full article, Secrets of Early Animal Evolution Revealed by Chromosome Tectonics, on our website, quantummagazine.org. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. Thank you.